Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control Alt Azure. I'm Tobias, and I'm back with UC. What's up? Hey, Tobias. It is Monday, and this past weekend we had a lot of people staying over at our house. Uh, it was fun to to have a lot of lot of sort of uh, activities during the weekend, and when you do breakfast, the table is full of people, and dinner, and and so on. It's it's fun after COVID for sure, but at the same time, when the house is finally quiet and empty like today, that's awesome as well. And I'm I'm super happy to see people and the extended family, but at the same time, I'm almost equally happy to just enjoy the quietness. <laughs> equally happy when they leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I understand that sentiment definitely. Um, I miss having more people for dinners and all that change with COVID for sure. Um, so yeah, every now and then when we have the house full, I'm I'm definitely enjoying it. Uh, on my side, I got myself a new coffee machine. So it's a fully automatic brewer this time. I've tried a different um, couple of different machines. You know, the manual portafilter ones where you do everything you know ground up, and now I've got a fully automatic on the other side of the spectrum. Nothing too fancy, but it does an amazing job of really producing quality coffee bean uh, brews, like from the bean to the cup. Um, with everything in between. So now I'm just waiting for a generative AI update for that so I can uh, use it to sense the morning mood I'm in so I can get an extra cheerful cup of coffee in the morning uh, that is equally sunny and bright as my mood every morning. Sounds like fun. I, I still have my Italian super manual espresso maker at home and it's 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 got a mood in the morning, so it depends on what what the coffee maker is in the mood for. That's the sort of cappuccino or espresso that you are going to get. Ah, nice. All right, alrighty. So today, reflections from Microsoft Ignite 2023. We both have our our, our picks and highlights. Quite a bit of stuff on Ignite, and before we sort of dive deep into the individual updates. Toby, did you have a chance to look at the keynotes or maybe attend some of the sessions remotely? Because I know neither of us actually went there to attend in person. Yeah, so I uh, I signed up remotely. I booked and bookmarked all the sessions I wanted to attend, uh, including the keynotes. But as you know, the uh, entire event happened on an inconvenient time for me. I've got two kids to deal with and family puzzle. Now, if I wanted to attend, I could block that time, but I'd rather spend that time with the family and just catch up on the recordings. So I've got a few of them planned. I did attend, uh, you know, the initial keynote just to, you know, see what happened there. So I had that on in the background. I could do other things like cooking and whatever. So uh, that's how I attended Ignite. I kind of, uh, yeah, with one ear, I, I tuned in and then I just make bookmarks for things I want to catch up or follow up on. So I've got a bunch of sessions now lined out where I just want to, you know, at two times the speed, I just want to fast forward through them. And whenever something interesting comes up, I'll just slow it down and, and digest that info as it comes. So that's kind of how I'm approaching Ignite and have been for the last couple of years, really. Yeah, I think I've had more or less the same approach. This time I did build my schedule. I think I had like 100 sessions in total that I was planning on, on, on attending real time. But as you said, most of the sessions, they started at six or seven in the evening. And 
the schedule was built so that they ran through the evening all the way to four in the morning. And I, at this age, I just cannot stay up that late myself. So what I ended up doing, I ended up do, uh, downloading quite a bit of those sessions to my local storage, indexing those videos with my media server. So I have about 300 sessions now on my playlist. <laughs> and if we will be talking about this, let's say a year from now, perhaps there's Ignite 2024 coming up. If we end up talking about this topic again, I can then remind myself that I still haven't watched a single one of those because you just don't seem to have the time to sit down and actually enjoy some of those. Alrighty, so we've both sort of found our highlights from the Ignite announcements. Uh, some super interesting stuff in here. Which one would you like to start with? So I've, I've got a couple of ones where two are obviously around AI um, in one angle or another. And, and the first one is actually also that to some extent. So my first kind of highlight that I found really intriguing, I think this was like part of the keynotes as well, is that Microsoft is now pushing into ship manufacturing, really rethinking some of the cloud infrastructure big time. So Microsoft introduced a new chip, and that's right, you know, as in a hardware chip. Uh, so it's Azure Maya, an AI accelerator chip for AI workloads. Uh, so if you deploy AI-specific workloads and and maybe if they operate their own kind of stuff uh, around AI, it's going to require a specific type of processing and computing and, and specific type of chip. So that's what they've developed, Azure Maya, uh, which is kind of interesting to follow. There's also Azure Cobalt which is optimized for general purpose workloads. So that's also a new chip that they are manufacturing. So this, like both of these surprised me quite a bit, but at the same time, I'm like, makes sense, right? Because they designed the hardware, the hardware racks, they design everything on, on the infrastructure. So why not design the actual chip as well for the most optimized experience and the most optimized kind of compute workload you can have. And they also talked about Azure Boost, I know uh, looking in the like the Azure Update Center, you can see that this happened in June or July or something like that. Maybe that was a private preview or something, um, which is about enhancing storage and networking by offloading those processes to specialized hardware. So again, in the hardware space. And they also expanded partnerships that they talked about in the keynotes. Uh, just want to highlight uh, some of those things and how that kind of impacts the, the Azure stuff. It's they're adding AMD MI300X accelerated VMs to Azure. So that's a new type of VM and also announced the preview uh, of a new VM series built for NVIDIA GPUs. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of follow those news uh, around the new chips and, and foremost, uh, the chips, of course, and how they then enable more AI workloads. So for me, that's the Maya chip that I want to follow and see what happens, um, you know, and then see if they can produce a report in a year's time or something like that and say, hey, we moved to Azure AI for most of the hardware running AI. Now, all of a sudden, we're optimizing by X percent or like this is the outcome. This is the result that we wanted to have and, and we delivered. So hopefully I can, uh, you know, dive into those details as it becomes available. So it's actually quite exciting. I don't spend any time with hardware myself, but it's exciting reading about these because like these are big tech, enormous investments. So it's not like, hey, I upgraded my server tower at home. No, this is a new chip powering all AI workloads worldwide, going to be implemented probably in most of the data centers. It's, it's pretty cool to see at scale. 
This is definitely exciting news in that sense. Perhaps not for the average end user, because you're never going to get your hands on an Azure Maya or Azure Cobalt processor or chip. But if it enables a better outcome for future workloads, yes, then I'm all for it. Though at the same time, I was a bit surprised how much time was spent on the main keynote on these two topics. Because at the same time, there's there's nothing we can do to utilize this for now. And eventually, if they will be in the back end, great. But there's probably not a way for me to confirm, am I using Azure Maya for this and this AI workload or not? But still, great to see Microsoft be, being so excited for this and, and really investing on, on, on real hardware as well. Uh, for me, something a little bit softer than hardware but super interesting SAF and MCRA updates SAF means security adoption framework that's a new thing and as I understood this SAF is the umbrella term that includes MCRA which is the Microsoft Cybersecurity Reference Architecture the CISO workshop and some of the other workshop materials the Microsoft Zero Trust architecture and the approach to Zero Trust. So this is documentation and presentations, essentially. The MCRA updates, they haven't fully landed yet because some of the content is still from 2021 from build. And I'm expecting and hoping we'll get plenty of updates for those in the near future as well. But there's plenty to read here and there's plenty to digest when you're focusing on, on whatever relates to security in the cloud and also in hybrid in the future. Yeah, I absolutely love MCRA, the Microsoft Cybersecurity Reference Architecture and, and the CISO workshop content. All of that is really, really good. Um, so I, all the investments happening in security is, is important. Um, the next one on my side that I really had a, a kind of epiphany moment that I, hey, I'm, I need to try this out, is something that's now in public preview. That's the Azure AI Studio. Uh, the URL is easy, ai.azure.com. That's it. So really easy to get to this Azure AI Studio. Um, and Azure AI Studio is like a comprehensive kind of platform for generative AI applications and co-pilot development and creation. So it integrates Microsoft's kind of growing model catalogs and you know all the tools and services for a unified development experience. You get everything from one place, which is again, ai.azure.com. So developers can now start with an intuitive interface. And then if you need, you can just smoothly kind of transition to Azure machine learning if you wanna do more advanced model monitoring and stuff like that. So I tried this out real brief and it's awesome. Like you head on over to ai.azure.com which is pretty simple. You sign in, um, you'll get a load of options for explore, build, or manage. So for explore, uh, you can explore the existing models. You can benchmark to find the right model for your use cases. So you can then run different models for your kind of purposes and see how do they benchmark? How do they measure against one another? What's the expected outcome? What is the actual outcome? And uh, you know how does that uh, sit in, in my kind of expectation chart, which is really interesting. Um, and all of that happens in the in the UI. You get like a really intuitive way to browse around and, and fiddle with these things. Um, under the build section, you can create new projects. 
And so from the UI, you just select and create a new project, essentially creates the resources and a resource group for you in the designated location that you select. And then from there, you can get a playground for your deployment. You can get to the ev evaluation to test the performance of your models, uh, like prompt flow design, where you can manually create from a specific type or explore the gallery, which has a bunch of them already. And under manage, you can then get to see all the resources you have. You can configure them, set permissions, uh, you know, configure compute instances, uh, all the connections and the policies and all these things. Uh, but I, I don't want to dive into too much of the details on Astra AI Studio. I, I think this is awesome. It does enable developers and creators to more easily and more intuitively get started with um, like building AI applications, generative AI applications and, and co-pilot development. Uh, but let's talk about Astra AI Studio in more detail in a separate episode. I think it really deserves some attention. It's really cool. Uh, it's looking pretty slick. So by the time we record that session, we've probably also had some time to explore and play around with it and actually build something. Because I, I started doing that already. I did deploy some, got my playground set up. I am exploring and, and evaluating a couple of things. Hopefully we can do that and then bring some lessons learned from that and, and really do a deep dive episode on Azure AI Studio. Sounds good. I have a lot of opinions on Azure AI Studio. It's it's super interesting. There's a lot of great stuff in there, but it's also a gateway to some of the more advanced topics instead of just doing sort of the basic generative AI related stuff. But as you said, let's do a separate episode on that one. Uh, for me next, uh, one highly interesting and useful Ignite announcement is the Microsoft Cloud PKI. So PKI public key infrastructure solution in the cloud. And we did talk about PKI quite a bit in episode 170. We had a guest, Mika Seitzen, and joined us to talk a lot about certificate authorities, certificates, PKI, and whatnot. And, and one of the sort of conclusions we drew from that episode back then was that Microsoft doesn't have a cloud-based PKI solution. Either you're hosting your certificate authority and all PKI-related infrastructure in the virtual machines and maintaining everything yourself, or then you're using a third-party solution. So the cloud PKI is now filling one portion for this need. And I'm saying one because this is an Intune related cloud PKI. This is not a PKI for everything else you might need. This is for Intune related needs, Wi-Fi certificates, computer certificates for clients that will be managed by Intune, the typical needs you would need for devices that you manage with Intune. So this isn't a CA in the sense that let me deploy this and use the certificates for something outside Intune. I think this will expand, band hopefully, in the future. But but for now, this is more of a fixed solution for a need that's been there for quite some time. Pricing two dollars per user per month if you just get this one, or ten dollars per user per month if you go for the whole suite from Intune and you get additional capabilities as well. This will be in public preview in February 2024. All right, that's that's also interesting. I I love these kind of nuggets and information lot that we can pull out. Uh, 
kind of the final thing on my side, and and it's a pretty big thing. So I'm I'm gonna try to condense this as much as I can. It's about co-pilots. Um, Ignite talked a lot about co-pilots. There was a lot of updates on co-pilots. So I can't cover all of that here. I will cover some of the things I found most interesting with co-pilots. And we will put in the show notes the link to the Microsoft 2023 book of news from Ignite as well, because there is kind of the shorthand introduction to all the announcements. From there, you can just click the links to all the co-pilots and you will have bedtime reading for at least two weeks. There is a lot of announcements being made. So the key takeaways that I found interesting is you now have a co-pilot for Microsoft Fabric. And like Fabric is getting Azure OpenAI service at every layer. So you're getting generative AI against your data and it will then help you assist uh, or assist your business users finding the right uh, insights in that data, in your own data. Uh, so you can use like conversational language to create data flows, data pipelines. You can generate code and entire functions, build machine learning models, or just visualize the results. So instead of trying to learn kind of everything, I, I really love this. So it will drastically reduce the time spent on trying to learn that UX functionality and specifics about the data you're working with. And instead, you can leverage conversations and natural language and try to explain what you want to achieve. And then you get the desired results in a shorter time. So that is awesome. I haven't tried it out yet, but that is kind of the one angle to Copilot that I really like. So, and, and you're going to hear that you're getting Copilot for everything. You're going to have a co-seat driver for whatever you do in life from this say forward. There's going to be a Copilot for you. There's also Copilot for Azure. One of the takeaways I had here is uh, the Microsoft Copilot for Azure, which is also now in preview. That's an AI tool designed to really streamline the design, operation, uh, optimization, and troubleshooting of applications and infrastructure from the cloud to the edge. And it really offers you like enhanced insights to your workload. So whatever you deploy in Azure, you're going to get kind of additional insights to that. Um, you're going to see stuff like underutilized Azure features. Um, you have a task orchestration across cloud and edge environments. It uses uh, LLMs or large language models and the Azure control plane and data on Azure and ARC enabled assets. Um, to get insights from all these things, all while maintaining obviously a strong focus on data security and privacy. So again, just another step in the like in the right direction of bringing more insights and awareness uh, to what you have and kind of how to make smarter, um, smart or smarter decisions. So I, I do have a couple of more co-pilot stuff I wanna kind of highlight, but before that, uh, is there anything uh, from these updates that resonates uh, with you? Yeah, for sure. So Copilot for Azure, it's something that I sort of hoped that would eventually become available. And as of today, it's not yet available. The preview is coming. I'm not sure how much I would actually need it because for a lot of things I do in Azure, it's not that complex stuff I do in Azure Portal. So Copilot for Azure will work in Azure Portal and Yes, maybe I would need guidance on, well, I need to create a virtual machine. Can you can you give me the template for creating that? That would be nice, but I can already do that elsewhere with, with other, other generative AI capabilities myself. But that will probably be one of the most useful ones for IT pros. For Copilot in Microsoft Fabric, I don't really work that much in Fabric, so not sure 
what I would benefit from that. But I do know a lot of people who are now focusing on fabric and any help you can give in there because it's just a massive platform. Any help and guidance you could provide over there that I feel will be super useful. Yeah. And I like fabric. I use that a lot. There's I'm, I'm using a lot of reports in fabric and there's a load of data I'm exploring in fabric. So I'm going to be uh, yeah eager to try that out and just say, hey, based on the data I'm now looking at, can you visualize it in this way or can you design it in that way or can you extrapolate the information I need regarding X, Y and Z? And it just has the data available and it just kind of pulls that out for me. That's my hope. Uh, just to round off on the kind of co-pilots here, Bing is also becoming the co-pilot for everyone. Um, and in an effort to really make it accessible for everyone, um, you know, Microsoft says that the experience of Copilot starts with Bing. So they now expanded on on that Bing Chat and Bing Chat Enterprise. They're becoming Copilot. Period. Uh, so you can visit copilot.microsoft.com. That's where you're going to land, um, which is your kind of everyday AI companion. Uh, so over time. Uh, I think the vision is to expand Copilot to any Entra ID or you know Azure AD user at no additional cost too, which means you're going to get kind of all the added policies and whatever you have uh, with your tenant, which I think is good because they always think about security, data protection, compliance, things like that. And the big thing here is that there will be plugins available, and they work with Azure and with OpenAI schema which means that they can work across both OpenAI ChatGPT and Copilot, including Edge, Bing, Windows Copilot, Microsoft 365 Apps Copilot, all these things, because it's the same schema. So if you deploy or develop an app that you want to deploy, you can deploy to Azure OpenAI's ChatGPT as a plugin, but also to one of the Copilots that you have on this side. So I really think that's um, quite cool. And again, it's too early to say, hey, how is this changing the world? We have an idea of how it's going to change the world and change you know, how users work, but give it half a year and we're probably going to have a thousand use cases and stories and lessons learned from this. Um, there was also a bunch of other co-pilot stuff announced. I cannot go through all of them here. Um, you know, Microsoft talked about co-pilot for service, Microsoft co-pilot for sales. Copilot for Dynamics 365, Copilot in the Edge, Copilot for Dynamics 365 Guides, Copilot for Microsoft 365 with new capabilities, Copilot for Viva, Copilot for Microsoft uh, Power Platform, Copilot for Security and uh, the Security Copilot, uh, which is now also being embedded into Purview. And the list just goes on, right? So obviously we can't dive into each of these and, and talk about each and every one of them. So again, the link is in the show notes. Uh, to the announcements in the book of news that's containing the links to all the announcements for the different co-pilots so if you do need some you know bedtime re bedtime reading and a couple of stories to put you to sleep there's going to be a load of content and links in there to read all the announcements so that's kind of where i want to round off because this is mainly just a reflection from ignite you know the key takeaway for me is everything today, everything for the last half year, last year, everything today and everything in into the foreseeable future is driven and powered by AI. Generative AI is changing how we work. It is changing the landscape. It's changing technology, making us hopefully more efficient and productive. It has changed a lot of things already. And I think we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg of the changes to come. 
So embrace for the journey. AI is awesome. Generative AI is more awesome. And there's going to be a lot of changes ahead. I've I've lost track on the number of different co-pilot capabilities available, but I don't think it's <laughs> relevant to count how many co-pilots there are going to be. I feel it's more like, well, co-pilot will be everywhere, and that will be the generative AI uh, augmentation of whatever software or service you have nowadays. For me, this is not co-pilot related. The Windows app was announced, and it's available for testing now. And it's not Windows in an app, but it's a connectivity app to connect to your Windows instances. So it's a unified app that runs on Mac OS, Windows, and Linux, I think, as well. And it allows you to connect quite seamlessly to Windows 365 instances, Azure Virtual Desktop, Remote Desktop, Remote Desktop Services, and DevBox. And I've been using this on, on Mac OS. I'm using Azure Virtual Desktop for a bunch of things. And running this app on Mac OS, which means you run test flight app, and from there you get the application to run, it's quite seamless. The remote desktop was quite seamless as well. But now I don't really have to think if I'm connecting to Windows 365 or DevBox or remote desktop or anything in between. I can just use a single app to connect to everywhere that runs Windows in essence. A tiny update in the sense, but I feel this was long overdue as well and glad glad to finally have this. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, and I, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying that out as well. Um, I, you know, honestly, I don't run that many Windows 365 or AVD or, or things like that right now, but I, I do occasionally do that, especially if I'm in a remote location and I want to connect into a secure kind of environment. Uh, that's a great option. So I'm going to try this out uh, when I can. And I think for me, I've, I've kind of already saturated some of the things I wanted to talk about. Just to round off on Copilots, there's also the Copilot Studio, which is kind of a great companion to the 365 Copilot. Uh, but I don't have a lot of insights how it works yet. I just have the kind of the marketing position for that. So Microsoft Copilot Studio being a user-friendly kind of platform for creating custom AI Copilots. And it complements the Copilot for 365, and it offers you kind of control and predictable responses for key topics. It has all the kind of standard features like simple design uh, to make things easier, publishing of Copilots tailored to specific needs, uh, using, again, natural language or, or kind of conversational uh, language and the ability to craft engaging kind of multi-turn answers and dialogues with generative AI. Uh, you know, useful for like use cases would be scenarios like HR onboarding or your IT services, you know, all these kind of standard things we're seeing generative AI being used for now. It does also integrate with other tools uh, and AI tools like Azure AI Studio that we talked about just now as well. Um, so I just know that they are um, publishing news and updates around this. I'm not sure exactly how this fits in the toolbox that I have, uh, but I know it's getting there. And I, I know that we should probably make an episode on that as well, because I think we both have opinions on the Microsoft Copilot Studio and on what it is and what it brings and how, if at all, it's going to change any of kind of the daily workflows we have for developing stuff, including developing kind of custom Copilots. Yeah, it's an interesting 
update and announcements. Let's let's do a separate episode on that. Uh, the last one from me, uh, Microsoft Security Service Edge updates. So this is something that's on a public preview for a couple of months now already, and it includes two services, Entra Private Access and Entra Internet Access. Uh, and the updates include now universal conditional access, uh, VPN replacement, MFA to on-prem apps, and, and super useful stuff like this. So if you haven't had a chance to look at the security service edge, it is part of Azure, and it allows you to control how your users and employees and devices uh, travel between different services, meaning for private access, how do we get access to on-premises applications? How do we get access to SharePoint Online? How do we do email? So you can control that connectivity and enforce different features on top of those connections. And intra internet access is about how do your staff and employees, how do they access the internet? So it's a secure web gateway and a proxy, if you will. It's an interesting opening from Microsoft. It's still very much 1.0. So, so there's some stuff that's not yet available. For example, you need the secure client on the device and it's available for Windows only. So if you're like me, you use, you use a Mac OS on the laptop. There's nothing really that you can do. You can enforce some bits from here, but you cannot get full parity with Windows devices on a Mac OS. So it's a massive platform as well, and it's progressing quite nicely. But at the same time, there's so much happening on that side that I feel we maybe need to do a recap episode at some point on the whole SSE, because it sort of ties back into SOF and MCRA and all of the other updates we already talked about. Alrighty. I think those were all the updates we had. Make sure to have a look at the book of news. We have the link in the show notes as well as the link to anything else. The last bit, the unexpected question. And Toby, this week, it's your turn to ask me the unexpected question. Yeah, I've got a, an interesting question. And again, these questions are some things I'm contemplating in most parts of my life. If you were suddenly turned into a cat, but you retained your human intelligence. What would be the first thing that you do in your new feline life? Okay, this is interesting. <laughs> so so first, if I retain my human intelligence, that's that's not a lot. So it would still perhaps be a small bonus in there. I've never had a cat. I've never had a pet. And and if I turned into a cat, I think, judging from some of the cats my friends have, I would just sleep all day long. And I would I would climb on top of the fireplace we have. I would just sleep and wait for food. Because that, to me, that's often how I see cats doing. Perhaps they do other stuff as well. But, <laughs> no. but my exposure to cats is that they sleep. Now, Im imagine now, that they're like all the cats actually have human intelligence and they're just like, I don't want to do any chores. I'm just going to lay around here. If I, if I show higher signs of intelligence, they're going to give me jobs and chores and I have to do stuff. Maybe I have to build a data center and use his home. 
And they're like, I'm super smart. So I'm actually just kind of relax here on the couch. And then whenever the kind of uh, pet owners are out of the house, that's when they go berserk and, and uh, you know, spin the plans to take over the world. That's good. Yeah, that that's my plan. That's what I would do. I would just enjoy life. Not, not really do much. All righty. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. All right. See you then.